Welcome back to the MLS Net Boys podcast. My name is Chase. I'm here with my great friend, Jacob. Thought I was going to switch up the intro a little bit today. Respect. How are you doing today, man? I'm good. My my Timbers jersey just came. It's 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night. I mean, that's not your uh, wife's Timbers jersey to wear to the Barbie movie because it's pink and it's for girls. <laughs> 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 saw Jacob mouth a, like 17 insults at me. <laughs> um, it's good. I wish, wish we recorded this earlier, but <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, this is, this is a late podcast for us. We, uh, we're skipping out on some FM as well for yeah, this. We said we were going to start at like <laughs> like five o'clock. Some things, some things came up and then we said we were going to start at eight. Well, originally we were going to do Sunday, then it got pushed to Monday, and now Tuesday, now it's <laughs> almost Wednesday. Now, and uh, yeah, then we, I think we got, I got here around like 8.30, and now it is uh, 10 o'clock, and we are officially about to start, or j- just now starting. How about some League's Cup, though? <laughs> Group stages are done. It is it is officially done. That is why we pushed this podcast back. We wanted to wait till the group stages were done so we can kind of recap it, talk about some uh, some upset games, maybe go over some of our favorite moments from the uh, the group stages. But should uh, should I just kind of break down the groups, go in order, and uh, say who made it out of their group? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, I'll, I'll rush through this real quick because I'm sure. Um, most people are completely up to date and completely understand this competition and know exactly who went through and who they're going to play against because everything usually makes everything like that very clear. Exactly. So in group A, you have Tigres (laughs) finishing on top with two wins. Portland Timbers coming in second. San Jose coming in third. They have been eliminated. Yep. Top two group, top two teams in the group go through in case you forgot. Group B, you have Monterey winning the group. Real Salt Lake coming through in second. Seattle Sounders losing both games. You love to see it. Take that, Seattle. Oh, man, what happened to them? They won CONCACAF Champions League, and then I feel like it all went downhill as soon as they tried to, like, unveil their, like, banner in front of the Timbers fans, (laughs) and then they got clapped and just have been terrible since. They... They got destroyed by Monterey. They went up 2-0 in six minutes, and you thought Seattle was back. And then they conceded four goals. Like, Ladero handed the captain's armband to Yamar, so people were, like, reading into that. Then Yamar immediately got a red card, like, six (laughs) minutes later. People are questioning the locker room, the mentality. Roldan's been in concussion protocol. Fry, I think, is in it as well. Um all of that aside, which is unfortunate, it made me kind of scared of Monterey. I mean, we knew who they were, but 3-0 against Salt Lake and 4-2 at Seattle, that's no joke. Definitely, I would say probably the best team in this competition um, by far. They they look like the best team, without a doubt. DC's still in it. By the way. <laughs> oh, my bad. I, I overlooked. I haven't gotten that far in the groups yet, man. Uh. But no, in all seriousness, this is going to be a tough team for the Timbers to take on this Friday, I believe. Moving on, though, Group C, we have Leon winning both their games, topping the group. Vancouver coming in second. LA Galaxy imploding. Did you see that one? Absolute disaster in LA. You love to see it. I mean, you hate it, but you love it. Ten minutes to go. You're up a goal. You're cruising. Oh, you concede an own goal and a Brian White strike in stoppage time to lose. Vancouver goes through. Good for them. Quick, who has had a worse season, LA Galaxy or Toronto FC? (laughs) Toronto. Um, LA Galaxy at least knocked out LAFC in the Open Cup and then beat them at the Rose Bowl in that 82,000 attended game. Whereas Toronto, I think, lost back-to-back to to Montreal to get knocked out of the Canadian Championship (laughs) and then just in the regular season. Rough. I mean, doesn't look like it's going to get better for Galaxy anytime soon. Um, I mean, Chicharito out with that injury, and then I recently saw Ricky Puge is actually considering his options at the end of his contract, which I believe is end of this year. 
It is. Yeah. So he's looking to go back to Europe. I don't think he wants to stay and uh, be the captain of a sinking ship. So say stay longer at the Payaso show. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to be at that show. Moving on to Group D, we have Columbus topping the group with an emphatic win. My man. Over Club America. St. Louis also in that group coming in third, being <laughs> eliminated, getting destroyed. Um, wow. Club America. A lot of people were saying, yeah, either Monterey, Club America, Tigres, or Chivas are kind of the, the four big boys right now. But Columbus, two hours or so after they announced star playmaker Lucas Zellerion is getting transferred to Saudi. Without him, they go out and do this. And as we know, we have some more Columbus news later on to break. And they also, um, I don't know if this is your news later on, but uh, Milos Dejanek has also recently left the club. So losing two, I mean, I don't think he really played for them at all. I mean, he's been light. He was lights out for me in my FM save. You just transferred him out as well. Yeah, I just sold him to Toronto. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, Columbus losing, losing some big players, but... Yeah, like you said, there's some some news coming soon, but yeah, definitely just smack down on uh, Club America and also beat St. Louis to top the group. Um, group E, Chicago, love it coming in first. Minnesota in second. Puebla, the first Mexican team knocked out in this competition. Kind of crazy. All three of these teams lost a game and won a game, but it kind of came down to the you know the tiebreaker ties penalty shootout weird rules which i didn't know this until recently because the rules around this competition are so like weird but so if there was a way where teams somehow like miraculously tied on points do you know how they were going to do a tiebreaker for that wasn't it like the fair play yeah it comes down (laughs) comes down to the fair play whoever has the least yellow cards wins i would have loved to see like some random team go out on this way it would be heartbreaking but can you imagine that especially with how like the CONCACAF refs that are doing it's not the same referees that ref MLS matches it's not the pro um, I think that's the acronym for them it's the CONCACAF refs which I mean in my opinion kind of have a reputation for being pretty shoddy absolutely they they have some uh, some questionable um, antics I will say but moving on, we have Group F, Cincinnati coming in first with two wins, Sporting KC coming in second with just one win, and then Chivas, Guadalajara, just crashing out of this competition with this, zero wins. This was a big, big one. Cincinnati, best team in MLS this year, but even there was question marks if they would beat Chivas because Chivas is top dog in Liga MX so far. And they they blow past them. And then Sporting Kansas City, without Alan Polito, actually, gets it done against Chivas. Love to see it. Chivas only scored one goal across these two games, which is very, very heartwarming to me to see that. Group G, we have Toluca winning both their games, moving on to the next round in that first place spot. You have Nashville coming in second place and then Colorado <laughs> just piling it on coming in last place two things I want to note about this group one Toluca is the team you may have seen online who their goalkeeper is taking their penalty kicks and he's their top goal scorer this year goalkeeper <laughs> taking penalty kicks not in the shootout but in the actual game so that is crazy it. it's crazy to see your goalkeeper be your top goal scorer like i remember when i think it was like one season like halfway through for the timbers i think it was like nat borchers was our top goal scorer and then to see a team like this where it's your goalkeeper that's kind of a cool stat but also really sad makes you wonder some things with that colorado though however their one game they hosted was like weather delayed because there was like a lightning storm oh. at their how many, that's like the third or fourth time this year, dude, that that's happened to Colorado. At what point do they just do a covered stadium in Colorado? Stan Moneybags Kroenke, I don't think we'll ever <laughs> splash for that, unfortunately. I don't think he even knows he has a 
American. Colorado is just in such a just terrible place right now. It's sad to see. I almost feel like they're just going to tank the rest of the season and then just hopefully try and reinvest next year. But I don't know. Sad for Colorado. Moving on, we got Group H. I think it was one of the one of two groups that had two Liga MX teams in it. Uh, Mazatlan winning this group, coming in first place, and then you had Juarez in second place. Austin FC coming in last place with two big fat L's handed to them by two Liga MX teams. Two not great Liga MX teams in all, honestly. I think this is... They lost to... I think it was Juarez at home. I mean, they lost to both of them at home. They, they hosted both games. I think it was Juarez was the team that... Uh, I'm pretty sure they haven't won an away game in like a year and a half, <laughs> which is just insane. They, they're they without a doubt the worst team in Liga MX right now, and then they go to Austin and like thumped them like 3-1. Embarrassing from Austin. Proving... I think to a lot of people that, yeah, they had a good year last year, but looking more and more like a fluke. I would agree. I would agree. Moving on, Group I, we have Orlando City, top in the group. You'll love to see it. Then you have the Houston Dynamo coming in second, and then Santos Laguna crashing out of the competition in last place. Not much to say about this group. Nope. Good job, Orlando. Moving on, Group J, you have Inter-Miami, I mean Inter-Messi, one of, of, you know, basically just his club now, Uh, winning both their games. I mean, hard to look past the fact that this guy's just kind of stolen this competition. Yeah, I, we've, we've, and I'm sure if you're remotely interested, and even if you're not in MLS, you've heard about the Messi impact at Miami. I don't really want to get into it. I think Cruz Azul and Atlanta just were... Obviously, you're playing against the greatest player of all time, but the other two teams were that bad also. They were not great at defending in the midfield. They were getting overrun. That's what I was going to say. So this group finished up Inter-Miami first place. Cruz Azul coming in second place. Atlanta United crashing out and penalties against Cruz Azul. They had the chance to go through, and then I forget who it was. I think it was one of their, like, like one of their defenders steps up and just shanks it wide left to basically lose the penalty shootout. But yeah, to second your point, these are not good teams that Messi played against. I mean, you just watch the defending and how they kind of step off and give the greatest player of all time so much space. I mean, you can see it in the, the inner Miami against Atlanta game. I think it was the first goal for Messi where he kind of runs in behind and then goes and plays it off the post to himself. Sergio Busquets, when he, like, receives that ball, he just, like, looks up, like, puts his head down, looks up. He, like, checks, like, four times just expecting there to be pressure. Nobody's, like, on him at all. And then he just finds, like, a dime pass to Messi, which, I mean, if you give guys like that that kind of time and space, they're going to succeed. I mean, they've played for so long. I mean, if you want to be successful against these teams, you have to, like, put, like, Miami under pressure. Yep. When you have guys like Messi and Busquets and DeAndre Yedlin just... (laughs) Dude, don't forget about Robert Taylor. Robert Taylor looking like prime Neymar playing with Messi. That guy has an insane smile. (laughs) I swear his teeth just come like two inches out of his face when he smiles. Those Scandinavian dudes just that all kind of look the same. He's an awesome player, though. He is awesome. He's uh, arguably Miami's best player. Um, But... Moving on, we have Group K. We have Charlotte coming in first. I did not expect that when I saw this group drawn up. Uh, We have FC Dallas coming in second, and then we have former home of Brian Fernandez. I was just going to say, do you know what Timbers legend played there? We have Nakaxa coming in third with two losses, only one goal scored in the competition. Um, Yeah, not much to say about this group. I mean, some some groups are more interesting than others. Nothing really jumped out in this group to me. Moving on to Group L, we have Philadelphia coming in and just dominating this group, unsurprisingly. Then you have uh, Cuarretero coming in second. Then you have the Tijuana 
I believe their name is like the Cholos or something or Zolos or something. Zolos, yeah. Something like that. They are coming in last place and they are going home early. Um, Philly just dominated this group. It was it was kind of fun to watch them just spank in some goals for fun. Fun fact: You know which World Cup winning legend played for Cuartero? Give me the nationality. Brazilian. World Cup winning Brazilian. For like half of a season when he was way past it. Oh, so he's not playing there right now. No, no, no. This was years ago. He's been retired for a while now. Ronaldinho. That's right. I knew that actually because I remember he went on his like tour of playing for every Brazilian like <laughs> club team, and then he went to Mexico very briefly. And I was really hoping he was going to come to MLS. I know. I was. I remember watching him playing for them against. I, I want to say they played Sporting Kansas City in the Champions League, and I was like, wow. It's Ronaldinho playing against an MLS team. That's nuts. That is a crazy thought. Moving on, there's I forgot how there many groups there are. We're getting close. We're almost at the end, guys. Um, group M, we have Pumas coming in first, DC United scraping by in second, and then Montreal just continuing their mediocre season coming in third. You already know Hernan Lasado was just like, I'm going to give these guys a rest, you know. Give these give these boys a two and a half week, three week rest, and then we're gonna hit the MLS season hard once we come back to finish eleventh, <laughs> scrape into the playoffs. Anyways, that's not even a playoff spot. I don't even know anymore. It's ninth place, right? Moving on, we got Group N, Atlas coming in first, two wins. Then you got New York City coming in second with just a win over Toronto, who finished. Dead last, didn't even score a goal in either of these games, conceded six. That is rough. But they signed a striker from the South African Premier League, so. <clears throat> Arguably the best league in the world. Toronto, where do, what do you even do? Like, if you owned Toronto, if you were the club owner, what would you do? How would you fix what's going on there? I think they need a major overhaul, and we thought we were kind of – Getting that maybe with Bob Bradley, but no, it didn't work. I think you need to offload probably Insigne, sell him to the Saudi League. You'll get a ton of money. You'll probably make a profit. I think Bradley maybe needs to reduce his role and do a coaching position or something. Just clean out the house. Because you know Toronto will spend the money. It's just... They're one of the biggest spending teams, but, man, could you picture if they had competent, like, roster-building tactics like Cincy or Philly or... It would be dangerous to see them build a team similar to the the way those two clubs have been built because they have so much money. So if they were really smart with their investments and they just splashed cash on, like, some really effective DPs, it would be... It'd be really exciting to watch them. I mean, they they did have a really good roster build a few years back. I mean, back when they made that, you know, title winning year and then, you know, when they were kind of in their most dominant phase, but they've lost some front office people. I forget his name, but didn't one of like their director of football is like, didn't he uh, come to Portland? Yeah, he was their scouting director. Jack Dodd went to Portland. Tim Bezbachenko left Toronto for Columbus. That's right, old Timmy Bezbachenko I've been seeing in my uh, FM save. And you know what's funny? I completely forgot about this, but as I thought about it, um, they had Alejandro Pozuelo, who was MVP of the league. He was lighting it up, and then they pretty much, when they signed the two Italians, they had an extra DP, so they had to let somebody go. They let him go to Miami for half a season where he did admirably, and then... He left MLS, so makes you wonder. Imagine Pozuelo in that Miami team right now. I, dude, I don't think Miami, I don't think uh, Messi would be seeing the field. Actually, <laughs> Pozuelo lit this league up. Best former La Liga player in the world. <laughs> Anyways, moving on, we have the final group, Group O. We got New York Red Bulls. Top in the group with a win and a draw, which was a penalty win for them in the end. You got New England coming in second, and then 
San Luis coming in last with two losses. This was my moment of the tournament. I don't know if you saw. So before this game, obviously, New England had four points. Red Bulls and San Luis had... One of them had to win this to go through, right? Red Bulls could have gone through with a tie, though, because um, Red Bulls was on two, and St. Louis was on zero. So if St. Louis won, they were through. It's 1-1. I think in the 91st minute, St. Louis got a penalty kick, and then Carlos Cornell saves it, and then 60 seconds later or so, they clear the ball to the other end of the field, and Dante Vinzier scores to give New York the lead. It was like that Troy Deeney Watford yes. goal. It was same vibes. Penalty save on one end, they boot it, and that would have eliminated them if San Luis scored. So nuts. And then they ended up topping the group because the win. That's a huge, huge momentum swing for New York Red Bulls. I mean, going top of the group, they're going to be taking on New York City FC in the next round. So tough game for them, but I think the vibes are going to be high for these guys going into the next round. Um, across the group stage so far, what would you say has been like your moment of the tournament aside from Messi? Honestly, the one I just spoke about for me was the coolest, I think purely based on like what it meant. However, I won't pick that one. I think the, the sporting Kansas city versus a uh, Chivas game. Because it wasn't the greatest game, but Kansas City played very well. And seeing them just buy in and like the emotion and passion of the game against Chivas was was pretty awesome to see. It's been it's been a really fun competition. You know what I've loved? And I think it's just like a result of the refereeing as well as like a result of just like how serious these clubs are taking um, this competition. But how many red cards there's been? I mean, we we haven't really talked about it, but um, obviously I haven't watched every game, so I can't talk about every red card. But the Evander red card and the Timbers game I thought was pretty soft. So it made me kind of question some of the refereeing, some of the other calls I've seen in the other games. Um, but I just, I'd really love seeing that as like a neutral in a lot of these games because it just shows you that like players take this seriously and, uh, it makes it really fun. Like as a neutral in a lot of games to see what's like happening, like all this intensity, you know, that's, I think all you can ask for pack stadiums with good atmospheres, intense games back and forth. So that's what makes these things fun and makes it an attractive game to, Outsiders who don't follow the league, maybe American fans who aren't into the sport, um, and then just casual MLS fans who, you know, we've never had anything like this, so it's really exciting. Yeah, I mean, that's been, I think, the funnest part of this tournament is, like, a lot of these teams, like, Portland has played in CONCACAF Champions League, thankfully, but, um, you know, seeing us, like, test ourselves against these teams from like a completely different league has been really fun and really interesting to watch the games. I, I think it's, it's a really unique experience for a lot of fans across the league who aren't usually spoiled enough to see their team play against teams from other countries in meaningful matches. You know, usually it's like a friendly where, you know, no, nobody really goes to the game. Um, but to see it be in a meaningful match where there's something actually on the line is, uh, is a lot more fun to watch. I think I agree. So, moving off of that, we're going to look at some transfer requests. We'll predict the group stage uh, or the knockout round games at the end, but I want to hear your thoughts on some of the moves that have come into the league so far. Interesting time for moves to be coming in because teams have this chance to, like, just slot them, like, right into the team and trying to, like, affect a League's Cup, or they have the chance just to get the, you know, like bring in a signing and then have that guy just acclimate to the club over the next three weeks until MLS starts again. So um, it'll be interesting to see how some of these clubs handle bringing in these new acquisitions. So I believe actually that their League's Cup rosters have already been like... Is it set? I don't... Honestly, I don't know. this. The rules around this whole competition are so weird. You're not wrong. Um, But... Yeah, they had to submit like a 30-man roster before it started. 
the only team to my knowledge that did this, which was funny, was Inner Miami had Jordy Alba on the roster before he was even like announced as a player. <laughs> and people were I mean, it was like all but confirmed but wasn't like official. And so they get a train with the squad and everything, you know, and pro take in the atmosphere, build camaraderie, but they don't actually get a play. So this serves for a, a good like training window for those new transfers to come in and really buckle in the squad. I did not know that, but it makes sense. It makes sense when you really think like it's similar for like a World Cup or other competitions where they have you submit your roster and you're locked into it. Kind of funny that uh, <laughs> Miami was the only team just to lock in a player that wasn't even on their roster. All right, what do we got? Who's our first big transfer coming in? Diego Fagundes getting traded from Austin to LA Galaxy. LA Galaxy pays 900k or up to 900k in GAM and they move Memo Rodriguez to Austin. I saw this. I thought this was an interesting move. Um cuz I out of all the people that I thought were going to leave um Austin did not see it being uh Fagundes. So kind of a shock to me, but uh he was a fan favorite there turning into. I think he scored their first ever goal actually. Yeah, I mean he he'd played a lot of time there and he was a, a a really good player for them, but I don't know. I mean it's it's hard to understand. Who who went the other way? Memo Rodriguez. I this is just Galaxy needed some some depth, especially since they're in that transfer band they needed to come within the league. They needed another winger to play off of Ricky Pooj and Yovelich. They've got Tyler Boyd, who's been – he seems to only want to score against LAFC, but in these other random games, he's not really producing like they hope. So I think it's a good move for the Galaxy. Yeah, I mean, huge move for them, honestly. I mean, good on them. I feel bad for, uh, you know, Fagundes getting stuck on the Galaxy, but I think I think he could be a good uh, building piece for them as they kind of start this rebuild. I mean, 28 – right around the prime of his career, so he's still got another four or five years left in him. Sticking with Austin, some news in the back. They cut Amro <laughs> Tarek, the I just center saw back, that, yeah. and they signed Matt Hedges, actually, from Toronto. So Matt Hedges, Dallas boy for life. He goes to Toronto, and he was dealing with injuries. I, I was reading from their fans that it seemed like he was their most competent defender. He just was having trouble staying healthy. But how do you think that plays for Austin? Honestly, that's huge for them. Cutting a guy who just can only score own goals. Um, bringing in a proven MLS defender that has, I mean, huge. I mean, honestly, good move for him. He's like spent his whole career in Texas. I mean, he started in Dallas in, like, 2012. Um, man's been in Texas for, like, a decade. Goes to Toronto. They have, like, a historically bad season. And then he gets out halfway through to go back to Texas. <laughs> Respect. Um, Columbus Crew in the news, as we talked about, Dejanek, the center back, gets transferred out um, to Red Star. But they also sign a center back. And... Rudy Camacho, the center back from Montreal, gets signed to Columbus. So they let a center back go. They bring one in. But biggest news, obviously, as we touched, was Lucas Zellerion getting transferred out. Immediately, Columbus is in the headlines. Austin wishes. Yeah. Columbus is in the headlines. Rumored to be bringing back Diego Rossi, former LAFC striker. Big move. Big move. For Columbus, huge. This is a statement. This is like a statement of intention for them. I mean, bringing in Diego Rossi, who was pretty successful with uh, with an LAFC. You know, I mean, won the Golden Boot. Yeah, I mean, across his uh, what well, he was there for four seasons. I mean, I'm looking at his stats right now. I mean, he scored 12 goals, six goal or 16 goals, 14 goals in his last season, which was uh, kind of cut short. He scored six goals and. You know, chipped in with a handful of assists as well. So, definitely a big signing for them. 
Um, wasn't quite as productive in Turkey, but uh, seemed to get more assists than he did goals over there. Yeah, not exactly a like-for-like like player swap, but he's younger and he's a dynamic attacking player with experience in the league. What else can you ask for? Not much, especially for a Columbus team that is a little bit on the older side. I mean, they have some young attacking talent, but they have, they've got some aging pieces they needed to get out of there. So, honestly, it makes sense to shift a 31-year-old Lucas Zellerion for a much younger uh, Diego Rossi. Next, so the revolution of New England are in the news for a couple of reasons. Neither really great. One, Jordi Petrovich is in the headlines because a lot of teams have noticed his play. He's been heavily scouted by EPL teams. And Nottingham Forest actually put out a bid for him. And then New England rejected it. Another team put in a bid. New England rejected it. And Petrovic was not happy because he's been vocal about wanting to go to Europe. Go back to Europe, I should say. And he actually was absent from training. Ooh. Did you see the the uh, the number on those bids? What they're... I think it was like around eleven million or something for him. Yeah, and I think New England, which I don't disagree with, they got I want to say a little less than that for Matt Turner, and they have Petrovich, who is much younger, with a much crazy, crazy business from New England to be making this kind of money on goalies is insane. But he literally they signed him last summer transfer window to replace Matt Turner. Same things happening. Yeah, I mean, I see why they don't want to let him go because they're they're making a good push for a deep playoff run. I mean, they're in a way better position than they were last year when they let Matt Turner go. Um, so I see why they don't want to let him go. But I mean, if the player wants to leave, you can't force him to be there. So tough for them. Um, why else is uh, New England in the news? Why don't you uh, refresh my memory real quick? It's very vague statement about. <laughs> coach and i want to say <laughs> is he technical director there too i think coach he is. technical director media personality kit man probably does everything bruce arena has been placed on administrative leave for an undisclosed amount of time free my boy bruce which pretty much means something happened behind the scenes they were very vague with their statement we have no idea did he kill somebody did he say something that the press didn't like we don't really know. Can we take a second to just come up with a conspiracy theory about what Bruce Arena did? Honestly, I don't even... I'm going to say this is a conspiracy theory, but I kind of believe it. He probably just said too many negative things about the refs and like anti-MLS things, how he was sick of Open Cup, and they just decided to can him. I was going to say, I feel like it... It, it's either something like that or I want to say like he's he's so old and he has such a different perspective I feel like he probably is just like super rude did said some really rude thing to like like one of like a waiter at a restaurant or something <laughs> and they they just deemed it completely unacceptable yeah and I'm sure in the upcoming days as soon as we release this, they'll probably figure it out, and we won't have the context. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be just out. completely wrong. Um, so that's a big blow for them, honestly. It seemed like they were, like you said, poised for a big run to challenge Cincy, but goalkeeping situations kind of cloudy. Bruce Arena's in trouble, it seems like. So we hope they can get it sorted out. Um, next up, New York City FC gets their striker. Julian Fernandez from Velez Sarsfield. This is a highly um, promising young player. Um, he's 19 years old. He plays for the Argentinian under-20 national team and seems like a young, dynamic player who can really spearhead this attack. It seems like New York City's pretty solid at getting these kind of younger South American players who can contribute. Yeah. I mean, big pickup for them bringing in such a young guy and you can't help, but feel like, uh, this is like a bigger move than just New York city FC. Like this seems like a city football group move where they're trying to get a young guy. Um, cause of what he's only 19, I think. 
So they're trying to get a young guy, obviously, into their system. I mean, they they have so many clubs around the world. Um, bring this guy in, see how he does. Ship him out to La Liga, for example, and uh, let him score a hat trick against Real Madrid. Um, but <laughs> four goals, four goals. My bad. I don't even know what you would call that hat trick plus one. Yeah, exciting move. Inter Miami obviously took the headlines earlier with Messi and Biscuits. However, Jordi Alba, like we said, moved there as well this window. They just signed a center back, Thomas Aviles, Argentinian, highly rated. Another exciting one, though, under the radar for most people, maybe not as in-depth in the scouting. I definitely wasn't, but reading about this guy, he seems like the real deal. Facundo Farias from CA Cologne. 20 years old. And he is a highly rated Argentinian winger. And I read a quote earlier that said Orlando, I think, was the team who bid for him like two years ago, but he didn't want to come to MLS. He like was open about it, I think. And this is just the messy effect in play, right? I was literally about to say that this is the messy effect. Um, I, you see, I think both the guys, like even the... That's a very loud slurp of your milkshake. Uh, but both these guys, I mean, you see that 19-year-old promising center back seems to be more of a move for the future. He's also Argentinian. And then you see um, Facundo Farias coming in, another Argentinian um, young player. So obviously these guys are just, you know, if if I was Argentinian, I would be a huge Messi fan as well. Are these um, guys cheating, Miami? <laughs> I was just about to ask you that. So they've spent $6.3 million on um, the center back, Avilas, and then they spent $5 million on Facundo Farias. And they, they've they maxed out their D, DP spots, so that's why they're going for these young guys. Um, you know, they have to do young DP or however they're going to make it work. But I've been seeing a lot of people pose this question. Um, you can't bring Messi to your league put him into a Miami team and then have that Miami team just be crap and just play terrible because it looks bad on the league. It looks bad on the move for Messi. So I see a lot of people saying that MLS, I with how shady they are with the rules, I think they're just going to let stuff slide and they're going to let Miami just build a roster to provide success for Messi so that this move looks better. I hate that. And I, I, think, I hate it too. I think most owners would take legit, and I think some do, either internally or outside of the into the press. They'll make this vocal, but since like MLS teams are under the same umbrella in ownership and profit and things like that are split, this is just a money opportunity. If Messi and Miami does well; they do well. I. The, the thing I hate most about it is it seems kind of obvious that this is happening. Miami is all of a sudden spending a lot of money. Um, they're bringing in really high-quality players. Obviously, those players are being attracted to this club because of Messi. Um, not but, Robert Taylor? <laughs> not exactly. Um, I mean, it's also rumored Luis Suarez just agreed that his club with, uh, I think it's Grêmio and uh, Brazil, they're going to... Uh, cancels contract in December. He's going to be a free agent. Pretty much confirmed he's going to come to Miami. No other reason why he would uh, cancel his contract. Um, so you're going to have Luis Suarez, Lionel Messi, Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba. You got the the whole gang back DeAndre together. Yedlin. DeAndre Yedlin, <laughs> Benjamin Kermansky. <laughs> you got the you got the whole gang back together. A fly flying fruit right fly. right near my mouth as I was talking. That's why you should never buy fruit. Exactly. Just frozen foods. Um, <laughs> but you get the whole gang back together in Miami. And uh, it's just, it's starting to raise questions as to why the, why it's happening, I guess. Not necessarily why, but how. I mean, there's no way those four five guys I'll, I'll include deandre edlin no way those five guys 
are all staying under a DP contract. Let's not forget, too, Joseph Martinez is a DP. Gregor, I believe their CDM, was a DP. Leo Campagna is still on the roster. What so is- it kind of raises the question of how they're going to make this work. There's definitely some hush money somewhere. Um, but I think the biggest issue is if we're going to allow Miami to do this, why don't we just open it up and let the rest of the league do it as well? Yeah, I have no problem if they use this and just are flat out and say, we're going to expand the cap. Everybody is able to spend like this. Not every, Obviously, everybody won't because every city isn't Miami. Every team doesn't have Messi. For every Messi in Miami, there's a Jack Price in Colorado <laughs> waiting for somebody else to back them up but uh, if they use that for a moment like that where other teams can do something similar at least spending wise great if they don't and they just leave it like some vague thing where they insist on oh Jordi Alba's on a TAM deal oh Leon Campagna is not taking a league minimum out of nowhere then I'm going to be a little bit disappointed yeah and you know I think a lot of fan bases are going to be upset about this I mean Think about like a like an LA Galaxy where they're on probation right now. Like they can only sign players within the league. Um, their star player is out injured, and they're not going to get any leeway from the league on moves that they can make. Um, I mean, they just brought in Diego Fagundes, so I mean that's a great move for them. But they're, <laughs> they're not going to be getting any you know star players. Um, brought over and just being allowed like oh this guy is going to be on a TAM deal and like there there's going to be no leeway from the league for them versus a Miami just because they signed Messi is going to get all this leeway to make the most competitive team possible. Do you think if it was Inter Miami who had this transfer sanction and Messi was obviously wanting to come do you think MLS would have upheld it? I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I don't I think MLS is so in tune with the Miami ownership that they knew this this like move was coming for Messi. I think everybody kind of expected it. So I don't think that there would have even been like this transfer like sanction on them in the first place. Um but if it, if for whatever reason there was, I don't think it would have been upheld. I think they would have come up with some weird obscure reason just to make it look nice rather than just to, I I would value it so much more if MLS just came out and just had like a straight up statement where they're just like hey this team got messy and we don't want him to play on a crap team so we're gonna just let them spend money in brighter and greener news pun intended Brian Acosta moves to the Portland Timbers from the Colorado Rapids biggest move of the window Definitely the biggest move. 29-year-old central midfielder coming to the Portland Timbers to offer some veteran solidity to this midfield as we make a end-of-the-season run to get into ninth place and squeak it out into the playoffs. Anyways. Uh, good move. <laughs> that was, that's a very good move. It's the type of move I like to see within the league, especially for the Timbers, seeing guys that have league experience or proven solid players that can hold it down, um, get a move to a team that are kind of in need of some depth. And what I like most about this is Colorado fans were kind of sad he was leaving, and they were saying they've obviously had an abysmal season, and they were saying, wow, we got rid of the one player who was like showing a lot of fight and like <laughs> intensity, which is something Portland can use, honestly. They need somebody with some venom. I'm excited to see this because Christian Paredes is just like flipping a coin like at the start of a game. You don't know how that guy is going to be. He could just be he could just disappear or he could be lights out for you. I think Paredes really excels more advanced whereas this guy can give Chara a much needed break and just be a destroyer. That'll be fun to watch just two just destroyers back there shielding our shaky back line so they don't have to do any work. So that's all I wanted to highlight. I have one last little thing for us to do before we go on to some predictions. This was a suggestion from our buddy Ryan. Uh, <laughs> it's on a 
kind of a sketchy website called playfootball.games. Um, but they have this little quiz, kind of like our Guess Who game we do, but it's called Who Are Ya? Who Are Ya? Who Are Ya? Much different. Uh, um, but there's an MLS version. So essentially, you get eight guesses. You start off, you just guess a player's name, and it'll tell you there's five things. There's five hints. So there's nationality, team, position, age, and jersey number. So if you get the nationality right, it'll tell you. If not, it'll just say wrong nationality, team as well, position as well. And then it'll tell you if you need to go lower or higher on the age and lower or higher on the jersey number. So we're going to try and figure this out together because I did a test run of this um, today. And it was Christian Fletcher of DC United. Had you Have you ever heard of that guy before I said his name? Legitimately, I don't think so. Yeah, we are the two biggest MLS sickos I know. He's an 18-year-old striker at DC United, so I I have a feeling this is going to be a tough one. Who's our first player we start with? I I almost feel like we need to either start with like a really young player or a really old player, so that we can kind of just work our way down from there, or right in the middle. I'm thinking right in the middle. Let's do it. Where you say the middle is 27, 26. 25 to 27 somewhere. Give me Evander. Evander going he's, in. You don't want to do, right? You don't want to do Evan Bush. <laughs> Evander. Nationality is wrong, team is wrong, position is wrong, age is wrong and jersey is wrong. So, but the league is right. The league is right. <laughs> so we need to go lower on the age, higher on the jersey number. And by position, it just does goalkeeper, defense, midfield, forward. So midfield has been ruled out. So not a Brazilian. This player does not play for the Timbers. They are younger than 25, and their jersey number is higher than 20. Do you have a guess for us? I'm trying to think of a younger. I'm going to. I think we should try and go for like a forward position. Somebody who's younger than 25 that isn't Brazilian. I was going to say Tyus Magno was like the first person that came to mind, but literally is <laughs> Brazilian. Um, how about, how old is Jesus Ferreira? He's 23. 23? At he's number FC nine. Dallas? Yep. Oh, but he is number nine. So it's got to be a higher number. Higher. Alan Velasco? I think he's he's 20. So that's the same. Dang. I don't know why I know Alan Velasco's number. Off is, I did not expect you to know that. Is Sebastian Dreyusi I think younger? he's. I think he may be older. But he wears a higher number than 20. I thought he wore. He wears 22, I think. We could try it. Let's we try still it. got six more guesses after this. Let's do it. Forward position is correct. He was. He's 27. Sebastian wow. Driussi is 27. So we still got team incorrect. Nationality is incorrect. So Brazil and Argentina are out of the picture. Austin FC and Portland Timbers are out of the picture. Number 10 is what Driussi wears. So it's higher than that and younger than 27. So we found out that it's a forward. Everything else did not help. <laughs> not at all. Ooh. Darren Yappy guy from the Rapids. You know what I'm talking about? Yappy. Darren Yappy. Oh. It is an American. It is a forward. The age is correct. It's 18. Lower than number 77. And it is Colorado. It's not Colorado. (laughs) Different team. (laughs) That'd be nuts if it was Colorado. I'm starting to get worried. This is the same... Christian Fletcher guy. You want to try it? <laughs> Do I try Christian Fletcher? If so, Ryan, this was a terrible idea. No, it is not Christian Fletcher. <laughs> Thank goodness. All right, we got three more guesses. I just blew wow, that guess. I forgot we have only. So it's an American forward who is 18 years old and wears a number somewhere between 26 and 77. <laughs> Does not play for D.C., Colorado, 
Austin, or the Portland Timbers. An 18-year-old American forward or winger. This is tough. This is really tough. Between 17 years old? No, he's 18 years old. 18 years old. So it has to be an 18-year-old. Between 17 and 77? Oh, 26 and 77. Yeah, that's a good range. I was gonna say a lot of so a lot of like the American like forwards I can think of I know are older than eighteen because most of the guys like I'm thinking like Duncan McGuire, like Jeremy Abobasi comes to mind, Jesus Ferreira of course, but all these guys are old. Griffin Dorsey, the Houston Dynamo winger. You know what I'm talking about? Not, not a chance. Griffin Dorsey. He's young. He lights it up. He's 24. And he's classified as a midfielder. <laughs> and he wears number 25. So I was right that he plays in America? You were right that he is American. Two more guesses. Oh, we're on guess six of eight, so. This is tough. This is really tough. A young American who is 18, who's a forward. Quinn Sullivan? That's a, I think. I thought he was 17. How old's Kate Cowell? 19. He's 19. I'm going to try Quinn Sullivan. He's classified as a midfielder, and Quinn Sullivan is 19. <laughs> Dude, this is, this is rough, Are man. Are we on one more guess? We're on guess seven of eight, so we got two more. Oh. Let me run through the teams that we've done so far. So we have Philadelphia, Houston, D.C. United, Colorado, Austin, and Portland Timbers. All of those teams have been incorrect. I feel like it's going to be some random Red Bulls homegrown player who's barely touched the field. I, was gonna, I know. Darren Yappy has been the closest we've been. That was a good shout. I'll give you that. That was a really good shout. What's, Did we try Kate Cowell? What's Diego Luna up to Oh, I think he is 18, right? I thought he is. No, yeah. he's 20. Remember, we went over this. He's 20. I thought he's 37. And he looks like a Thug. like a henchman for a <laughs> Batman movie. Except for he's eight inches shorter. <laughs> he's got the Shakiri build, though. Dude just has twice, his, twice the amount of muscles in his neck than everybody else. Every time we talk about him, it gets... I swear, like, Jordan Shakiri had a neck transplant and just took, like, a bodybuilder's thigh and, like, made it his neck. <laughs> Dude has a massive neck. Did you see that unrelated? Did you see that clip of him and uh, Dane St. Clair barking at each other? Yeah, talking trash, and then he just buries the penalty. Because Dane St. Clair was looking at him and going, no balls, no balls. Yeah, he <laughs> was, like, talking to him. And then, yeah, he, he literally, like, you can read his lip. He says, you have no balls. And then Shakiri just buries the penalty. And then he, when he picked up the ball, he's like yelling at St. Clair on the ground. I love that. You love to see that. Anyways, what's our guess? We're playing a game? We are playing a game. If, if we weren't doing a podcast, I'd hit this uh, play a short ad for to reveal a clue button right here. <laughs> You're going to get shut down if we do anything <laughs> like that. So I'm going to just say Cade Cowell. Maybe we can find another hint. I oh he comes up as a midfielder, so it's not even it's not even gonna be right. Reed Baker Whitting, the Seattle guy, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no. Dude, how do you have these? He comes up as a midfielder as well. Obed Vargas is a midfielder. Diego Luna, midfielder. Take a Coba? He's 18, but the Timbers... Uh, oh, it's not Timbers, obviously. Yeah. Brendan Hines-Ike is a defender that also came up when I typed in Icoba. There is a younger Peppy brother, but I don't know if he's 18, and I don't know if he's on the first team. Okay, it doesn't show up on here. Stupid game. It does if I just type in letters. It gives me, like, a list of possible players. I could just kind of... <laughs> Dude, this is terrible. I want to say like Peter Stroud, but he's <laughs> he's a midfielder. Just throw him Who's in. Who's a uh, 
Um, oh, oh, Tyler Wolf. Maybe or Owen Wolf. Even any of them. I'm gonna try Tyler Wolf because I know he plays like a bit further up. No, and he's 20. We've na- so the, we've narrowed it down though. It, they wear the number somewhere between thirty three or thirty four and seventy six, somewhere between there. So all the garbage time numbers that yeah, all the guys the USL that just, players get. And this is our last guess. <laughs> oh, Screw man. it! Give me Bobby Wood. <laughs> Go out with a bang. <laughs> oh man. Should we guess? Do you think it's going to be Eastern Conference or Western Conference? I'm if we get it right, then we'll call this a success. I'm going East. This screams like a a metro area or Eastern Conference team. Bobby Wood. Give me. Bo- oh, was a New England Revolution player. <laughs> Dude, wh- wh- who is it? Esmir Bachrock. <laughs> <laughs> We're never playing this again. Ba, Barak Tarevich. As <laughs> We're going to have to cut this whole segment, dude. <laughs> Who is this guy? Oh, they have pictures of him on Google. He's a real person. <laughs> He's not an FM generated homegrown. Looks like he plays for the U.S. Women's National Team. <laughs> Makes why? You tell me. Take a look at that bad boy. That is not <laughs> what I was expecting to look like at all. Yeah, we're never playing this one again. Yeah, thanks a lot for the terrible tip, Ryan. <laughs> You can't blame him. We're gonna get a salty text message, especially since we blew him off for FM tonight. <laughs> we we decided to play this game instead. Yeah, this guy definitely is like a revs two player that is like on the bench half the time. So we're gonna do. I mean, he's yeah. That was rough. We're that gonna move on and close this out. That was yeah. a failure. That was this was a I, for anybody who's still like listening to this like. Who isn't either me or Jacob? Like, thank you because this has been. This may or may not be in the final cut. This has been a rough episode. Anyways, predictions. Predictions. I picked some games here. First up, we're going for the. I don't even know the name of this derby. Miami versus Orlando meeting in League's Cup. First time Messi is going to experience the heat. Of this rivalry. Florida Man Derby. Florida Man Derby. I got Miami winning 3-2. I don't think it'll happen, but my or Orlando, 2-1. 2-1 2-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-
knowing how MLS teams operate, this is going to be a tight affair for whatever reason. Everybody's going to think it's going to be like this insane high scoring. I think it's going to be like a one nil one nil RSL with like a tenth minute like header off like a corner. Justin Glad. Justin Glad, and then it's just going to be like edgy, just a game played in the midfield for the rest of the time. You're probably right. That always seems to be how it go, like how it goes, and then you just get the random like SKC or like Houston game that just end up turning into an instant classic. Yeah the the <laughs> the Philly DC game is what's going to be like a a four to four to three. That one I think is going to be a bloodbath for Philadelphia because DC United's coming to town and they're taking names. Anyways, anything That's else? It. Anything else you got to say? You know, this is a bit of a chaotic episode for a lot of reasons. Episode 24, the MLS Netboys Show. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm ready for some League's Cup knockout round, man. I'm ready for some League's Cup as well. This has been a fun competition. I, I feel like this is definitely something we should do every year or every other year. But that's a topic for next episode because if I start, we're going to talk for another 30 minutes. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Ryan, that was a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> uh, that was a chaotic episode for a lot of reasons. But as always, Keegan Hughes, come on the show.